Welcome to Season 5 of Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each episode this season will be a chapter from the second book in the Enchanted Castle Archives, The Beastly Beauty. In Season 1, our heroine, Ash, was warned multiple times to stay away from the Enchanted Castle, and if she ever saw it coming toward her, to run. Now, she finds the Enchanted Castle, or, perhaps more accurately, it finds her. Will prophecy come true? Can she escape when she finds out the truth of Cecil's warning that every castle wants a princess? Listen and find out. Chapter 12 Birds still sang softly in the distance, and the breeze gently swirled around her, bringing the scents of ripening apples and cherries and plums and berries and blooming flowers. To the left, Ash saw gates that hung open in the wall, and a glimpse of what looked like a formal garden. Were those people? No. She shuddered as she realized those people were too pale and too still. Statues. What had she read about the statues in the castle? They were once people who had been enchanted. They had been caught in spells in the castle, or enchanted elsewhere and brought here to make rescue difficult. Or, some chroniclers speculated, the enchanters who cursed them ran out of room to store them and brought them here to get them out of their way. Ash stepped onto the drawbridge. Something swirled through the water of the moat, but didn't appear. She didn't look. No one came to the doors as she crossed the inner courtyard. Birds sang, the breeze whispered across the pavement stones, and the decorative flags high on the walls rustled. Ash looked around, trying to see everything. No grass grew between the paving stones. No moss spotted the walls. No dust, no horse droppings. No signs of plunder dropped along the way as terrified thieves fled for their lives. She wondered if the stolen things had crawled or wriggled back to their proper places. Perhaps this place had housekeeping breezes like Philby's home, and they picked up the mess that intruders made. Certainly they wouldn't have much to do in a place like this. Did housekeeping breezes get bored? Then she was at the bottom of the stairs— Fang leaped all five of them, landing in front of the open doors. He looked back at her, waggling his ears in his sign for, Come on, what are you waiting for? Atheosius, keep us safe, Ash whispered, took a deep breath, and put her foot on the first step. More torches flickered to life the moment she leaned in through the open doors and looked in all directions. The entryway of the castle was massive, reaching up three stories, with a wide stairway that stopped at landings halfway up to each floor and turned back on itself. The entryway itself was wider than the formal dining and meeting room at Castle Fairhold, and she imagined it could hold a table twice as wide and long as Philby's table. The wall opposite the main doors was broken by four sets of double doors, easily twenty paces apart, with long tapestries depicting forest and battle and pastoral scenes hanging between them. None of the doors opened. Up, the knife said. Go up. The mirror will want to see you. Of course, she can already see you, but she can't talk to you yet. He giggled, 
a tinkling sound that made Ash wonder if magical items had birth and growth, and the knife was very, very young. She suspected she considered such ridiculous questions to keep her mind from latching on to more troubling thoughts that might have her flee in another moment, perhaps shrieking in a quite undignified manner. With Fang leading the way, giving the impression he knew where he was going, they climbed the stairs to the third floor. Utter silence all around them. Ash didn't like those suits of armor standing at attention on either side of the stairs, on each floor. Though they didn't move, she had the impression they were watching her. What would she find if she opened one of those visors? No, she wouldn't take the risk, no matter how painful her curiosity grew. What she wouldn't give to have the ring commenting on everything around them, testing the magical streams or breezes, warning her from making foolish mistakes that someone would mock when reading the account of her adventures in another fifty or hundred years. Would someone read of her adventures? Would she live long enough to tell them to someone who would write them down? Or even live long enough to record them herself? Stop it, she silently scolded herself. Pay attention. No daydreaming allowed. A crooked smile caught one corner of her mouth as she realized she was indeed planning to have her story told many generations in the future. Was she a hero, like the ones she had always dreamed of meeting? This was certainly an adventure, even if one she would not have chosen for herself. On the third floor, the knife directed her to the glass doors full of light, in the direction of the gardens Ash had glimpsed earlier. Would they be going out onto a balcony? What was a mirror doing outside? Granted, being part of the enchanted castle, the mirror was protected by magic. But why waste the effort and energy when it made more sense to keep something so valuable indoors? Before she reached to push the doors open, Ash saw she had been wrong. Outside didn't lie beyond those doors, but a room roofed with glass. She felt the chiming and shimmering when she touched the metal frame of the door to push it open. The sound filled her ears and whispered across her skin and gently pulled her into the room. Mirrors hung on the two long walls, all different sizes and styles of frames. The wall opposite where Ash had come in had more glass doors, and through them she saw the balustrade of a balcony and greenery, indicating a garden. The floor was paved in a maze pattern, in blue and green and white tiles. Benches and stools and thick cushioned chairs were scattered across it, arranged in sloppy circles around a tall, ornate, gilded frame holding the largest mirror Ash had ever seen in her life. It was twice as tall as her, and wider than her outstretched arms. Welcome! The mirror turned, with small wheels on its multiple legs. Blue and green and gold sparkles swirled across her surface as she spoke. A rich, alto, female voice. How lovely that you brought Butter home! Your family has missed you greatly, dear boy. Butter, Ash said, echoed by a chirping snort from Fang. She knew better than to laugh. That seems a very appropriate name. Butter is highly prized, she offered, as she took the knife out of her front pocket. You would think so, wouldn't you? The little knife sounded just slightly disgruntled, or perhaps embarrassed. Something banged on the glass doors. Ash turned as they swung open, hard enough to thud against the walls. Two suits of armor strode in, clomping softly on the stone flooring, 
holding out their arms. What did I do? I didn't mean to do anything wrong. Whatever I did, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, nothing wrong at all. They're here to welcome you home, the mirror said. This isn't my home. Please, I just wanted to help the knife, and I was hoping you could help me understand the portals, figure out their patterns so I can go home, back the way I came. Yes, that's very sensible. Oh, but you can't talk suits of armor out of something once they've made up their minds. This could be your home. There's quite strong magic in you. Or rather, the possibility, the potential for incredible, clever, healing magic in you, the mirror said. They sense it, so they want you to make this your home. Ash remembered what Cecil had said, warned her about, if she really thought about it, how castles, especially ones with magic in them, needed a princess. She supposed if the magic of the castle was strong enough, no matter how much she wasn't a princess, it would succeed and change her to suit its needs. She backed toward the mirror, hoping for refuge. She had an image in her head of going behind the mirror, trying to hide from the armor. But that wouldn't work, would it? There were two of them. They could split up and come at her from each side. The armor carried crowns, at least three on each arm. Every princess needed a crown. Common sense said some of those crowns were magic, perhaps all of them. Common sense also said that not all magic was good. The odds were strong that at least one crown was cursed. Hadn't numerous people and books told her the castle was used to store magic of all kinds? Worn-out magic, rogue magic, dangerous magic, crazy magic, injured magic, curses. Please, I just want to get some information. I can't stay. I have to make sure my friends are safe. There's this nasty, spoiled brat of a princess who wants to hurt them. I need to break whatever spell is on my friend, the spirit ring, so he can talk to me, so we can protect my friends. Will you help me? All the while, the suits of armor got closer. She backed up until she was only two steps away from the mirror. Ash considered the open spaces between the benches and chairs. The suits didn't move very quickly. She thought she could outrun them, maybe knock some benches over to get in their way. Please, Mirror, you're the heart of the castle, aren't you? Can't you tell them to leave me alone? Well, I am temporarily the heart of the castle, the guide, the one who tries to look after all the others. There is little else I can do while I am cut off from the magic mirror web. The mirror sighed, a soft shimmer of crystalline sound. Only until we find a princess to lead us to give us purpose, to organize the storerooms and break the curse that sends the castle floating every which way. We need stability. The broken magical things down in the lower levels need someone to soothe them and help them sleep. And especially, we need someone here to keep the doors closed against thieves, the nasty kind, who want to steal all the magic they can get their hands on, to give them power over the innocent and defenseless. Won't you consider the task? You seem like a sensible, responsible person who cares about others. But I'm not a princess. Oh, but you could be. I see so very much potential in you. Mirror! I'm sorry, dear, but we haven't been properly introduced. I'm Izalova, and you are? Ash. Fang chirped and bounced out in front of her, coming between her and the suits of armor which split up to go around a long bench. Lady Ashlyn, what a lovely name. I'm not, she sighed, 
Please, can't you at least tell them to stop? Oh, suits of armor have a mind of their own, Isolova said. Their primary purpose is to guard the princess of the castle, to do her bidding. Thus, they need to find a princess to serve. Once we have a princess again, then they can step back and focus on other things, such as protecting the castle. There's that nasty king who keeps finding his way in here, constantly throwing all sorts of magic against us, trying to get at the books. The books are half the reason the castle keeps moving, when it should by all rights sit still. They're so afraid, so upset at being separated. Wait a moment, Ash said. King? A king who tries to steal books? Not Rupric of Rathelschiffen? I don't know his name, but he and then his son and grandson and great-grandson keep coming every year or so, when they can find the open portal, with more magic, nastier magic. They ravage the forest, hunting all the animals, whether they can talk or not, riling up the Kispies, making the Snarl River knot up and rise out of its bed, always trying to chase down the castle and pry the doors open so they can get at the libraries. Libraries? You have more than one? Ash shook her head, exasperated at how she could get so easily sidetracked. Still, the thought of so many books there was more than one library. It boggled her mind. And still those suits of armor came closer. Fang snarled and leaped up and bounced off them, each in turn. They turned aside, detouring around the magic bunny and the benches he knocked in their path. They never swung at him. Maybe they didn't even see him there. They just kept getting closer. How can I stop them? If you accept one of those crowns, they'll be satisfied, Isolova said. What would it hurt? That's all? Ash shuddered. Her imagination and all the reading she had done answered that question. Depending on the crown... She could be cursing herself, or accepting the title and duties of Princess of the Enchanted Castle, which amounted to a curse, as far as she was concerned. Which one won't make me a princess? Which one has the least amount of magic? What's the fun in that? Isolova sounded genuinely confused, not upset or offended or even amused. Please, Isolova, help me. I can't afford to be trapped here. I have friends I need to help. If I've earned some grace by helping the knife, won't you help me? Which crown doesn't have magic, or at least as little as possible? The mirror sighed. No magic at all is impossible. That's the nature of this place. Everything is touched with magic of some kind. Even if something came here without any magic, eventually some soaks in. You can't imagine the traffic through here sometimes. All the princes on quests, seeking an enchanted sword or ring or crown, or something to help them win a kingdom, or drive away an evil enchanter or a monster. We get our unfair share of wicked princes and selfish princesses and sorcerer's apprentices, seeking something to give them power. Another sigh. But what does that have to do with you, yes? You want advice? Accept a crown. That will let the armor go back to their places for a while. Wear the crown for as short a time as you can manage. Every time you take it off, they'll wake up and come after you to make you put it on again, or make you put on a different one. Once you accept the crown, it's yours for life, so choose wisely. For life, Ash muttered, and took a step toward the suits of armor. To her surprise, they stopped. 
Was that all it took to stop them chasing her? Stop running away? She took another step. No movement. Whatever was inside those suits of armor, she felt the weight of their regard. Studying her. Judging her? The crowns glittered and gleamed, overwhelming with gold and silver and a rainbow of gems. Some were gaudy, studded with multiple colors of gems in no discernible pattern. Others stuck to specific colors, one all gold and emeralds, from tiny chips like dust to stones the size of hen's eggs. Another was all silver and diamonds, multiple spiky points, making her think she would turn to ice if she put it on. Others had velvet caps inside the circlets of braided gold and arches made of sapphires and rubies. Then she saw a crown that stood out by its very simplicity, five strands of silver wire, braided, with sapphire chips every few twists, small enough to hide under a cap or among the growing curls of her hair. What about this one? What magic is attached to it? Ash dared to touch it with one finger. She half expected the suit of armor to grab her wrist with its other hand. Oh, very wise choice, dear, Isolova said. That says something about you that you could see it at all. That crown is more powerful in what it symbolizes. Acceptance of duty and responsibility. Common sense, if you really think about it. Something that won't get in the way, that won't require lots of extra care from you. Is it safe to wear? Dear girl, no crown is ever safe to wear. Not even straw crowns given to children for games or dramas. Crowns make you a target of something, sooner or later. But yes, it's the safest of any crown in the entire castle. Wear it to protect you whenever you're inside. You will come back, won't you? The crown will help you find your way, no matter where you are in the forest. And eventually... Even if you've left the forest, it will help you come back. Will it help me find the library? Why do you want to find the library? Isolova's tone sharpened a little. My friend! Ash turned back to the mirror, making sure she didn't move away from the armor and give it reason to act, such as grab her and slap a crown on her head. She unfastened her courier badge to show the spirit ring. He's being kept from talking to me, I don't know if he's entirely blind and deaf or he just can't talk to me. Maybe he's been separated from the ring that's his body. I don't know. I just know I miss him, and we both want to be free of the justiciar who sent me on this idiotic quest in the first place. Interesting, the mirror whispered. To be befriended by a spirit ring says much about you, and hints even more. Tell me about this justiciar and the quest. Oh, if only I weren't cut off from the mirror web. It's been ages since the castle and the forest were yanked out of the stream of time. I would ask among my friends in the web to see what we could do about your problem, if I could talk to them. But I promise you, my dear, I will help you as much as I am permitted. Ash took a step toward the bench facing the mirror. An iron hand gripped her elbow. She ducked and yelped and twisted, trying to get free, but couldn't. The iron gauntlet of the suit of armor didn't hold on tight enough to bruise, but she couldn't get free. Oh, dear, they really are single-minded, Isolova said. Do take the crown, dear, and let them go on their way. Sighing, Ash turned back to the suit of armor. It let go. She reached for the braided silver circlet. Naturally, it wasn't the front one of the three hanging on that arm of the armor. 
She didn't want to touch the other crowns to move them out of the way. With her luck, the armor would assume she had chosen the first crown she touched. Ask it to give you the crown, the mirror said. Ash licked her lips, considering how to do that. Sometimes the simplest tasks were the ones most fraught with peril. She had learned that from the books she had devoured in her hunger for adventure. Maybe all the reading she had done hadn't been quite as beneficial as she thought. How many times had she hesitated to think, consider all the possible pitfalls and complications, when she would have been wiser to just react? Please, would you let me have this one? She touched the simple crown with one finger. A pause. Then, creaking slightly, the suit of armor slid the first two crowns on its arm onto the other arm, then let her choice slide down to catch on its bent fingers. Thank you. An image flashed into her mind as she slipped the crown off its fingers. Of a suite of rooms, one leading into another, full of dresses and shoes and scarves and shawls and jewelry, all pretty, fluffy, glittery, and delicate, worthy of a princess, and rooms full of delicate furniture with bright tapestries on the walls where they weren't filled with books, all waiting to be used, waiting for her. Would it be so bad staying here? All the books she could ever read, all the silence and solitude she could ever want, and no one ordering her about, chasing her. Be sure of what you want, Isolova said. Hmm? Ash shook her head, feeling as if she pushed up through water that made her thoughts heavy and slow. The suit of armor still stood there, holding its hand out now, palm flat. The second suit was already heading across the mirror room to the doors that opened on the gallery and the staircase. Give butter to him, dear, so he can go back to his family. Oh, right. Yes, thank you for your help, she said, pulling the knife out of her pocket. Much obliged. I hope you stay with us, princess, the knife called, as she put him on the palm of the armor's iron hand. Ash swallowed down the retort that she wasn't a princess. Sometimes, as Cecil had warned her, the more something was resisted, the stronger it grew. She needed to simply ignore the attempts to get her to accept being a princess. She held her breath as both suits of armor walked away. The doors closed behind them without anyone touching them. Thank you. She turned back to Isolova and remembered what else the mirror had said. Right. Justicia Camwell and the quest. Camwell? Oh, my, I do know about him. I can't talk to my friends in the mirror web, but I am able to catch echoes of the others talking. His mirror doesn't like him. Too self-righteous. Isolova seemed to shake a little in her frame, like a woman seeing a big, ugly rat staring up at her, just before she braced herself to kick it aside. Tell me what he did to you. Ash quelled a sigh. This would have been easier, taken much less time if the ring was here to pass on all that information. She settled down on the bench and opened her mouth to begin the tale. First, Isolova reminded her to put on the crown. Otherwise, the suits of armor would return far too soon, and they would choose a crown for her. One that would cast an enchantment over her, so she would comply with the castle's desires. We hope you enjoyed today's chapter. For more information on all the books and series featured in this podcast, or to purchase the ebook or audiobook for future reading and listening pleasure, please visit yeolddragonbooks.com. 
You can also find more information about our books and purchase ebooks on our Patreon page, Ye Old Dragons Library. Please consider supporting the podcast to gain access to free stories or discounts or a chance to purchase a new book in advance of release. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ye Old Dragons Library. <laughs>